So Lord, we just come before you and we thank you for family gathered here and, and that we can come to hear your word and be challenged by it. And so I just ask that you give me the peace and the clarity to speak what I have seen, what I have lived, and to show your power and mercy and grace through it all. And so I lift up this time and give it to you. And all glory is yours in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this one's going to involve quite a lengthy, uh, this is why I'm teaching on this. So as we, we had discussed in, you know, in an off, offline time, just as a family, discussing about fears. We talked about fears and um, about what in the Bible you know, makes you fearful to think about, to address, to discuss with people. You know, uh, Tony's one was, he's kind of afraid of the idea of heaven. You know, just because of the unknown, there's not, you know, not so much to talk about. So, so the fear and topic, he kind of tends to, to dodge it. And so I kind of challenged everybody here, what's your fear? What's your fear in the Bible? And so then I started looking at myself, and I go, well, what's your fear, Tyler? What's your fear? You know, you're the pastor. You, you know, you've, you've been the missionary. What's your fear? And I'm like, I don't have any fear. Ha ha ha. I am, I am amazing. And so then what I started looking at is what is fear, right? What, what does it look like? How does it manifest? And so we all know fear can be uncomfortable. Fear can be enslaving. It can be defeating. And it is absolutely 100% crippling. Fear holds you back. It holds you back. It will drive you away from certain purposes that God has put before you. Challenges, all because of, for a gamut of reasons. And so, it, the other thing is, it, it can manifest in many different ways. Can manifest in laziness, can manifest in anger, loss of sleep, silence, anxiety, stress, all these things. It manifests in many different ways. And so, as I was talking with everybody and thinking about fears, I'm going, the Bible verse that has come into mind is John 14, 27. It's John 14, 27. And here is Jesus saying, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let, your heart, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then if you turn to 1 John... 14, or 1 John 4, sorry, 1 John 4, 17 through 18. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, 
but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And so that verse there, that perfect love casts out fear. And as I'm hearing it and I've thought about it even in my own life, I'm going, why are we still fearing? If we have been made perfect and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit reside in us, how and why are we still fearing? And so now how is that manifesting in our walk. And so I wanted to, in, in an effort to equip us all, to challenge us all, I wanted to address fear. Because in my mind, using Tony's example, the fear of talking about heaven, the fear of thinking of heaven. Why, if we are claiming to worship God, why are we afraid of eternity and spending it with him? The one whom we claim to worship, that we love, why is there fear in the thought of spending it with him? And so I, to me that, that makes no logical sense. And therein is fear. Fear can be illogical, make no sense. I know in my head these verses. I know in my head that I should be happy and not afraid of spending eternity. I know that heaven is going to be stinking amazing. But why am I afraid of thinking about it, of talking about it? And so we all know this, right? We've all experienced fear. And so we, we know these verses, Psalm 55, 22 through 23. Psalm 55, 22 through 23. We know this. When fear comes, we know this. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved, but you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. We know that when we struggle to cast our cares upon the Lord, we know this. In Isaiah 54, 17, we know this. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. We know this. I mean, we even probably chant it in our heads as we're going through things. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Cast my cares upon the Lord. We say this, say this, say this, say this, talk this, talk, 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 talk. We know this. But when fear comes and hits, all those thoughts out the door. And the practice of those things out the door. And so as I'm asking myself the same question, okay, Tyler, you're not afraid of talking about any subject. 
You're not. You're not afraid of talking of any subject. But there has to be a fear in you. And so as I was digging, my world started just going black. Just was absolutely going dark. And I started struggling so, so bad because one of my fears, the fear that started me down this path was the fear that I am afraid of major miracles. I have seen the Lord do amazing things, both in my life and for other people. I've seen it. I have seen backs healed. I have seen hearts healed. I have seen feet healed. I have seen burdens lifted. People walking out of here. I have seen alcohol-induced people become sober and experience the power of the Lord. I have seen all these things. And so I have no problem believing in them. But in my mind, I have classified them as minor miracles. And so in my mind, the major miracles, you know, the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the lame walking, the dead being raised, do I want to see them? A hundred percent. It's what the Bible says. It's what does is happens in Acts. I want that. But I am terrified. I am terrified that if I go up to somebody feeling the leading of the Lord, and I say to you, wheelchair-bound man, the Lord says, get up. And he gets up and then promptly falls on his face that I have misrepresented the Lord. That's my fear, that I misrepresent the Lord and what he says, and I speak out of turn in his name. I don't care about making a fool out of myself. I don't. And I've done it on multiple occasions. And I've admitted my fears and my faults and my flaws constantly. I'm not afraid of what they'll think of me. But if I tell that guy in the name of Jesus Christ to get up and he can't get up and that leads him to having his heart hardened towards the Lord, that will kill me. That will make me struggle. That will make me struggle. And that is a fear because I don't want to be a stumbling block for the Lord in anyone's life. And so that is a crippling fear. I have seen the Lord do miracles. I've seen him do it. I know he can do it, but it holds me back. It keeps me back. And then that led, and as I'm, as I'm praying to the Lord, saying, how do I get rid of this? How do I beat this fear? How do I, how do I tell everybody else how to conquer their fear while I'm not conquering my fear? And the answer was, I needed to conquer my fear before I could even tell you about it and help you conquer yours. And so my fear of not representing the Lord correctly morphed in into a revelation of a deeper fear that I have buried and an understanding that I have missed incredibly. 
and that I, my fear, I am afraid of my past, of my past indiscretions that I have from while I knew the Lord, I knew of the Lord and said, oh yeah, I'm Christian, I followed him. I treated women poorly, all my relationships. I treated them as sexual objects. Heavily into pornography. And struggled with it still, and the temptation. And I did things that I'm not proud of. And so in my head, I know the grace of God has covered me. I know that. I know all my sins are forgiven. And she knows every single one. She knows the depth to which I went with every girlfriend, every fling, because I wanted nothing except for one thing. She didn't know one story, and I held that back. And that is what has crippled me in fear, is that when my past comes back, because here I am professing I'm a pastor, the last thing I want is for my sins to be dug up which is ridiculous because I dig them up and tell you them every Friday. So why is this any different? Why is it my past? And so I, I was miserable. I struggled so hard. I was losing sleep. And finally, I, it was like, I'm, I'm going to bed. It was like 8 o'clock. And I'm wrestling, and I'm wrestling, and I'm wrestling. And I was like, I'm, I gotta tell her. I have to tell her. And so I went out to her, and I've been confessing things to her all week. So she's like, would you knock it off? But, she, but I'm, I come down out to her, and she's watching the OC. Don't judge her for it, because I do, but she doesn't need any more judgment on that. And she pauses it, and she goes, what's up? And I said, I got to tell you something. And she's like, oh, all right, what? And I said, during our time that we were engaged, when I was in Athens, Georgia, there was a young lady there that I met, and she hung out with me and my Marine buddies in bars when we were drinking. And I may have led her on. She may have insinuated or believed certain things about her and my relationship. And so the one night I was texting her and she saw Kristen's picture on my phone. And she said, who's that? I said, it's my fiance. And she went, what? And then that whatever that was promptly ended. And so for years and years, 12 years, I have carried that. Nothing happened. I didn't kiss the woman. I didn't do anything. Nothing physical happened. 
but I've carried that weight afraid to hurt her. I was afraid that if I confess this to Kristen, it changes my relationship. There goes my wife, the potential of losing my kids. My ministry, the Lord's ministry, tarnishing the reputation. Completely forgetting that this is before I really truly dedicated myself to the Lord. That I am no longer that person. I am 180 degrees different than that man. Leaps and bounds different. But still it weighed on me and I feared and I was afraid. Terrified to tell her, even though nothing happened. Just a misunderstanding. Terrified to tell her. If I'd have told her 12 years ago, it, I'd have saved myself a lot of freaking headache. And you know what she said to me? Okay, I forgive you. And all that struggling, all that wrestling with the Lord disappeared. It disappeared. And so I look back on it now and I go, you're a moron for holding on to this fear for so long. Because I have experienced so much life with this woman. And I have made it a point that there will be no secrets in my marriage between her and I. And it's not that I thought she didn't need to know. It was that I was terrified of what her response would be prior to our getting married. And so in the midst of that, I all, I, like I said, I continued to struggle with God's grace and how His power completely erases my sins of my past. Completely erases. Says as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't remember. But I knew, I knew that His grace covers my sins. And so they are forgiven. But I knew that does not remove the consequences of my past actions. You know, if I had a child in infidelity, just because I repented doesn't make the kid disappear and, you know, men in black me, boo! No memory. And so I was afraid of that young lady who probably doesn't even remember me, doesn't even remember my name. I don't even remember her name or what she looks like. Afraid of her coming back, if the Lord put me in some position of fame or authority, of her going, nah, he's a sinner. He's a liar. This is what he did. 
And that's what terrified me. And then terrified me that she would find out. So I told her everything. And I told her the truth, holding nothing back. And so as I'm thinking on God's grace in my life, and in, the, in reference to this, and afraid that, that anybody coming forward from my past to tell me to say this, say that, whatever, lies or truth, I was afraid that my ministry would be gone. And then the Lord told me, He said, it is exactly your past. It is exactly the things that you have done in your life, those things that you are so ashamed of. It is exactly what qualifies you to preach about me and to preach about my grace. If you were perfect, you would have no need to preach about God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness. But it is our past that the screw-ups, everything that has made me to this point, and the fact that I am not that same person who committed those sins, that I am not the same person who would commit those sins again. I am not that person. And so now I have every right, every qualification to preach to you that my God saves, that my God wipes away all my sin through His grace. So come hell or high water, come any woman out the woodwork, any woman out the woodwork, bring it. Because I know now, without beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God's grace covers me. And I can apologize and I can repent to the person in, 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 to their face. But that does not disqualify me right now, who I am in Christ, to preach His grace and mercy. And so after, after I, I, I confessed to Kristen, I went to bed. And I could breathe <laughs> easy for the first time in a week. And I went to sleep. And I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning from a dream. And so I don't know if you know this, but for me, I don't dream very often. If at all. And so when I have a dream... More often, and I don't get dreams when I ask the Lord for a dream. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't give them to me very often or frequently. And when I do, more often than not, they're heavy and they, are, they have importance to me. And so I'm going to read you the dream that I had. And so this dream, Tony, me, Kristen... Chase and Haley, my two kids, and my dad, and somebody who I didn't see, but I knew was closely 
related or, or close to family, and Dakota were in this dream. And so we were, we were outside on a nice day at what I knew was my house. And it was a two-story house without a basement, had a nice garage, it was a big house that in my mind is similar to my, current, my parents' current house. And so we were all outside, kind of in the driveway, gathering, talking, and then I, I look up in the sky and I see dark clouds gathering, like physically moving together. These, these are like black. They were dark and started to twist and form a funnel. And I saw them form a tornado. And I've been recently told that the biggest tornado is not a class five tornado, it's an F5. Category, category five, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so my wife corrected me. It's not a category five tornado, Tyler. It's an F5. Ugh, know your storms. <laughs> So I yelled at everybody in this dream to get inside and I pushed everyone in there. I pushed them all inside. So once we're inside, everyone's starting to look, look for a shelter. You know, look for a room that is away from, you know, the, the outside wall of the house, away from windows and doors. And there was no basement. So the only place with no windows was a small room under steps going to the second floor. And so I see that and I look at Kristen as I'm saying, everybody get under there. And I look at her going, is this the safe place? Is this the place, the right place to go? And she says, yes. And so I keep pushing people in. Everybody gets in. And meanwhile, we shut the door to this small room underneath the steps. Meanwhile, my roof is ripped off. Everything is sucked out of the house. All the drywall and insulation is off the house. The only thing that is left of this house are the bare bones form of the house. Nothing else there. No electric. <laughs> no drywall. No insulation. No pictures hanging. Nothing. Just the form of a house. And some of the steps are missing. The form is missing. Like the form is just there on the step small room. Everything has been sucked out. The only thing, <laughs> and with all that storm, all that wind, all of us in that small room only feel a very small breeze. So this powerful storm is raging and all the only thing we are feeling feeling in this room is a light breeze. No one's crying, no one's screaming. And I'm covering my children in protection and Tony is covering this other person in protection. And then Dakota leans on Tony to protect Tony and Kristen goes, "Oh, And so as all this is happening, we just watch the storm rage and then it slowly starts to dissipate and then it turns out to a beautiful day. And that's the end of my dream. And so I think on that dream, right? 
And for me, the interpretation was pre pretty clear. There were, mo there were points of it pretty clear to me. For me, as growing up, tornadoes terrified me. Tornadoes terrified me. They were absolutely a fear of mine. I would legitimately, every time we came to visit my grandparents and I slept in the room that they would have me, I had the exact same reoccurring dream every time. And it involved a tornado going down the street. Terrified, terrified of tornadoes. I would die if anybody said there was a tornado in the area. And so for me, that tornado represented this destructive fear. And that it, just, it, took, it took everything, but it did not remove the bones and the foundation of my house. And all those that were in it, experiencing and seeing the raging of this tornado, were safe and only felt a light breeze. And I knew, I knew this dream immediately was in reference to what I'd been struggling with. And so I woke up and I wrote it down. And I read these verses. So going back to, to we'll go back since I'm already open there, 50, Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. And this took on a new life. The weapon, the fear of destroying my life, of destroying my relationships and my ministry and my relationship with God, that dream, the way it ended, the fact that I was not, even though I was in the middle of the storm and losing everything, the protection that I cared most about and the damage barely touched me. So that promise that this is my heritage, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper, so to me, I take that now as if they were to rise up in, in direct opposition of me just to seek to destroy me. My heritage is that that shall not prosper. That shall not hold me back because God's grace is sufficient. And then you go to Psalm 55. Psalm 55, 22 through 23. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. I now have seen that bloodthirsty men, if they come out, to seek me, they will not get what they want. 
They will not get what they want. They will not tear me down. They will not destroy my witness because my witness is not what I have done, but what God has done for me. He has changed me. I am not that 22, 23 year old that is screwed around. I'm not the dude in high school that I was. I am now a son of God, redeemed and made righteous by the blood of God that was spilt on a tree for me. And that grace is sufficient to cover everything and to conquer my fear and to break its hold. And so you go, well, Tyler, give me the practical application. Tell me, oh, wise Tyler, how do I? conquer fear tell me master well padawan let me tell you let me tell you how it worked for me i spent a week in agony in prayer in the word seeking deliverance for this seeking restoration with the Lord, seeking to go deeper and be set free because I wanted it. I wanted to be rid of the fear that held me back. And so I had to struggle through it, fight through it. I had to take my bruises and lack of sleep. And then I, on Sunday, I went to the Bible study. And the pastor there, he asked one question. He says, have you surrendered to the Lord? What have you not surrendered to the Lord? And I went, okay, that's an interesting concept. And it wasn't until... The moment that I decided to surrender pride, surrender my fear, the whole, my hold on fear, not just fear's hold on me, but my hold on the fear, and tell Kristen, did I finally surrender that? Romans 8, 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? How often do we hear that? How often do we hear that? And how often do we take that for granted? And just go, yeah, 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 I know, I know. And as I read it, I went, man, he wrote this for me way back then. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? This is the key here. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? 
Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? God has called me. I am God's elect. And it says, it is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Bring it on! Let my past rise up and come against me. Because I am more than a conqueror. No weapon formed against me shall stand. Fear can take a hike. I am no longer a slave to my fear. Because I fought for it. Because Christ died for it. I am victorious through Christ. First John 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I surrendered my fear of the consequences of what my past would do. And I confessed it to the one whom it could hurt the most. And my fear, my 12 years of dealing with this fear culminated in a okay I forgive you what and that's it 12 years and then a week of just agonizing over it and okay I forgive you yeah it's that easy it's that easy and in the blink of an eye with three words four words Four words. My fear is gone. My fear is gone. I am set free. I understand God's grace now more than I ever have. Let my past rise up. Let it try to condemn me. And the only thing it will do is strengthen me and strengthen my message that God's grace covers all. 
so bring it. Because now I know that whatever weapon is formed against me, that in everything I am more than a conqueror. And that I am chosen and I am in the elect that God has called. So the moral of the story is you too can be set free of your fear. Why live with it for another second? Because through it all, his promises have held steady. I can tell you for a week, his promises sustained me. He sustained me. When I wanted to die of embarrassment, when I wanted to die of the fear, he sustained me. And I am able to stand before every single one of you, look you in the eye, even to tell you the story that I was terrified to tell my wife for 12 years. And I can tell you that story and tell you that fear has no hold on me anymore. In that instance, <laughs> there, there's the asterisk, in that instance. And so now I can now attack the other fear with the knowledge of knowing what I know now, that his grace will sustain me, that his grace covers it all. So that puts the enemy on the back foot. And now I can get aggressive the way he was aggressing me. Boy, howdy, I love being on the offensive. So if you need help, if you need help, ask for it because that's what we're here for. That's what we do as a family. You don't fight alone. You don't fight alone. We war together. That's the purpose of the shield wall. So, Lord, we just come before you and we lift you up because your grace is all sufficient. Your grace is perfect and lacking in nothing. And that thank you so much for opening my eyes, letting me live through that to conquer fear, to come out on the other side alive more than I have ever thought I could be. to be stronger in you, to no longer be the slave, and to learn to relinquish what I have held on to. So all glory and honor be yours and yours alone. In Jesus' name, amen.